So I started off by telling people that I had an overabundance of sleep last night. I went to bed at 8.30 p.m., woke up at 6 a.m. Let me tell you what nine and a half hours will do for you. Those of you who have kids or don't sleep well, you can hate me, don't care. But the point is that because of that, I'm going to talk extremely fast today because I brought an entire book as a homily. So to get through it in a timely manner to get you out before dinner, I'm going to keep this pace up. So if you'd like to go back and listen to this recording at half the speed so that you can hear what I have to say... I would greatly suggest that. Paul describes a certain group of people in his letter to the Corinthians this morning as, quote, those who count for nothing. What a sad way that the world describes certain members of our collective humanity. Paul is not saying that he considers some people to be worthless. Rather, he merely describes them this way to show that in the Lord's plan of salvation, even those judged by the world to be worthless still have value in his plan. Welcome to Catholic Social Teaching Sunday. It's not actually a real thing. I just felt like there was so much to go off of in the scriptures. However, I'm going to reference none of it. So that way you have to go back and reread the scriptures to figure out why I preach this way. So, you're welcome, whoever said that. <laughs> Blame that person, not me. Anyway, we start with the concept of inherent human dignity. Now, dignity is the amount of value that each and every person contains simply because they exist. We draw this belief from passages all over scripture, but mostly and primarily we get it from the book of Genesis. Welcome to our first tangent. We already have our main topic and we're going somewhere else. The topic of scripture. Now, if you read the topic of scripture in a wrong way, that's your fault, not mine. Let me explain. If you read a trigonometry book and you think to yourself, this is the worst poetry I've ever heard. Whose fault is that? You read the book wrong, not me. I gave you the book and I said, this is trigonometry. And you said, poetry. <laughs> no, no. So we have to first read the scriptures in the context that they were written in. So what do I mean by that? Again, if you read them in a wrong manner, you will get the wrong meaning. So if we read the Bible as a scientific textbook or a historical textbook, then we are reading the scriptures completely wrong. The history of our salvation is written down, yes, but the big picture meaning of the scripture is to explain how the world was, I'm sorry, not to explain how the world was made, nor is it a chronology of exact events, but rather it describes how our creator created, and he could not imagine his creation without letting us know about himself. So all of the scriptures is nothing more than God's love letter to us to show us through moments in recorded history how he has desired to be with us so much that he has revealed himself to us. So that's the word on scripture. Now let's get back to dignity. So we get this concept of dignity from the book of Genesis. We know that Adam and Eve were both created perfect in the image and likeness of God meaning that God loved Adam and Eve as much before they ate the fruit as he did after. Dignity is our worth, our value, and it cannot be diminished no matter what we or others do. Because our value and dignity comes from God, there are no actions that can be done by you or to you that reduce the amount of dignity that you have. We may, through our actions though, not always live up to the amount of dignity that we contain. The concept of dignity gives us certain rights. The first and primary, primary right that one has is that of life. 
Therefore, we are a pro-life church, but not because we particularly care about babies over other populations, but because we believe that the right to life is so fundamental that it exists and it should be protected from the moment of conception to all the way to natural death. As such, any affront or any danger to life or any affront to dignity along that spectrum of life is against the church. Because though the amount of inherent dignity we can have, I'm sorry, because the amount of inherent dignity we have can never be reduced by our own actions or the actions of others, even though life may not always treat us in a dignified way. But enough theological concepts, now practicality. Many people think that illness, deformity, limitation, or age are reasons that life could and should be taken away. If you are a burden on society, then you should selectively choose yourself out of life, is what they say. Sweden recently came out and announced that in the last couple of years, they have cured Down syndrome. Is it because that they started a new gene therapy that reduced the amount of chromosomes children have? No, it's because they just started killing everyone in the womb that had Down syndrome. That's not a cure. In 2022, an adult man with Down syndrome named Frank Stevens testified before U.S. Congress, and this is what he had to say. Quote, see me as a human being, not a birth defect, not a syndrome. I don't need to be eradicated. I don't need to be cured. I need to be loved, valued, educated, and sometimes helped. A life with Down syndrome can be as full and exciting as any other. Let us decide from this day forward to include, not exclude, to educate, not isolate, to celebrate, not to terminate, end quote. What Frank makes very clear is that dignity exists in everyone, and despite the challenges, I'm sorry, despite the challenges they may face. So we as a church want to stand up for those people whose dignity may be threatened, if you are unborn and your life and dignity is threatened, then we want to protect you. If you are old and cannot do anything except exist in the prison of your own mind while others have to take care of your every need around the clock, you still have dignity. Anyone with a disability ranging from the, com ranging from the commonplace to the extreme has just as much dignity as anyone else. So when it comes to politics and legislation, please know that the church will always advocate on the side of the dignity of the human person. And just so we are clear, that encompasses all lives from womb to natural tomb. Now, closely related to the concept of dignity is the concept of the common good. Now, I will admit up until the age I was 29 and in my fourth year of seminary, I had no idea that the church even had a concept of the common good. So the common good is this. It is the best good for all people, not the most good for the most amount of people. Because in a purely majority rule situation, some humanity or some individuals may in fact still be harmed, even though the larger group benefits. Now let me give you two examples, one from scripture and one that's hopefully funny. The first, when Jesus is before Pilate, Caiaphas utters this phrase, and it has gone down through all of history to be known as the Caiaphas principle. He says this, better that one man should die than a whole nation. Meaning, even if Jesus is innocent, he is causing problems between the Romans and the Jewish people. So better that he die as a scapegoat than the rest of us get in trouble because of him. 
he is exemplifying the concept of majority rule, which is good for the most amount of people, unless you're Jesus. Another way to look at this is a political cartoon that I saw recently. In it, it showed Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man, and the Scarecrow all sitting around a fire that was not going. There was one speech bubble from Dorothy, and she looked at the Scarecrow, and she said, I'm sorry, Scarecrow, but we all voted, meaning they were going to light him on fire. That's majority rule. Someone can still get hurt. In that case, too, it seems like the most good for the most amount of people, unless you're the Scarecrow. The Catholic concept of the common good takes that further because of the concept of dignity. We believe in the best amount for all people. It's where we get the concept of tithing from. Now, if you're counting, that is like concept number four that I've brought up, but unfortunately, we don't have time for me to get into tithing. All I will say is this. It is the concept given to us by scripture that we should take 10% of our income before taxes and give it away. The Pew research has been done over the last 20, 30 years. Catholics give 2 to 3% of their income, not 10. Imagine what the church could do for the poor with a 7% increase in giving. But the common good means that we build society, I'm sorry, we don't build society wherein a few have a lot and a few have extremely little and everyone else is kind of in the middle somewhere. We would rather have all of us functioning at a level that promotes health and human flourishing for all, not just those who can afford it. Now, side note, this is different from communism. You might be thinking, well, that, that sounds like socialism or communism. False. We are very against socialism, very against communism. That actually also comes from Genesis chapter 5, but I can't get into it. It denotes the right to own private property. Anyway, so the concept of communism says this. The state owns all and it gives to you as your parent. The common good concept says this. You still own what you own, but you give to those who are in need. Individuals may own what they want, but make sure that everyone is cared for to a basic level of humanity. And so we do ask 10% of your income so that, you can, so that we can provide for those who need more assistance. That is the sole reason that churches have food pantries. It's not just because we like being a depot for your groceries. It's because we know people are hungry and we have a way to help. We ask for your money, not so Monsignor and I can go on vacations, although I do like vacation. But that's not what your donations get used for. But we use it so we can help humanity, first in our local community and when we need to, the world at large when natural disaster happens. So in this way, the concept of the common good helps to protect those in society who do not have the money or the skills or the understanding to help themselves. That's why the church offers money to the poor. But if money is tight and inflation is a thing that affects your pocketbook like it does mine, know this, that the church first wants something way more precious than your money, the most valued commodity that any of us have. The church wants your time, followed next by your talent. And lastly, if you have nothing else to give, then yes, we do want your money. But do you have certain skills or talents? Because if you do, we would much rather have you donate your time to the church or some other organization. Volunteering is huge, and we would love that more than any money you could give. 
That is the most precious resource that this world has right now, is the gift of their time. So whether you spend time volunteering in the food pantry at Incarnation or getting involved with some other ministry that needs your skill set, we would much rather have you than your money. But if your age or infirmity neglects the ability for you to directly help those in need, that's when we want your money so that we can still take care of those people that you cannot directly take care of. Everything in the Catholic belief is connected. Every person has dignity because they exist and are made in the image and likeness of God. Because of our God-given dignity, we should help build up humanity, first by helping to protect those who cannot protect themselves. So we try and present, prevent anything that could be an assault on life from conception to natural death. Part of building up the dignity of humanity is advocating for the common good, the most good for all people. The best way to directly affect humanity is to give of your time, your talent, and lastly, your treasure. We are communal beings built in unity and with responsibility to others. It may seem small, but volunteering your time can change someone's life and possibly their eternity. You matter. You have value. Choose to see the value in others. The Lord loved the idea of you so much that he could not imagine this world without you. Choose to look at others that way. No matter where they come from, no matter what they can or cannot do, look at humanity the way that God does, with eyes of love, with hearts of charity, and with yearning to help your fellow man. Knowing that very easily one day I could be in the situation where I need to rely on the kindness of others. Let's listen to the words of St. Paul again from today's second reading. God chose the foolish of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly and despised of the world, those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who are something, so that no human being might boast before God, for whoever boasts should boast in the Lord.